Well, it's Friday, and I'm Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Emerson, you were so serious. You were so serious the way you said that. I'm I'm well, you know, you know they, they made that documentary about, like, the gay voice and who has it. And I've realized when I'm serious, like, when I'm focused, when I'm in, like, work-work mode, this voice that's more substantial, I don't do it very often in presentational performing. It's like, oh, look at me. I'm not threatening, and I'm silly and fun. So when I use it, people go, what's happening? Did you, when you were a kid, did you ever um, tape record yeah, your voice? No, what'd you say? I didn't tape record my voice, but I did get mammed a lot on the phone. Oh. And, and when I had my Jesus hair, I used to get mammed in public all the time. Oh, well, you were very pretty. You were very. I'm, slim, I'm a slender man. Yeah, but with a little bit, of, like one of those, those uh, women with a little bit of five o'clock shadow, you always had a little bit going. I definitely do have, um, it's appropriate that I wore this. Like I just shaved and you can see it. I definitely have like that Willem problem. Yeah, oh, you do, you do. I didn't know Willem had that problem. I did not realize. On his that. season of Drag Race, it was a big thing. Michelle Visage was like, "Uh, I can see your beard. Oh, well, I haven't seen that season. And now they have them all on Hulu. I may just start watching, you know, as I, when I finish Sex in the City from start to finish again, then I'm going to start on Drag Race from start to finish. Because as you know, I missed out on the first, what, eight seasons? Yes. And, and it, those it. backstories are good. You know, that's how you know why the big lie scandal on All Stars that happened last Friday between India Farah and Alexis Mateo, who were on season three together, was so dramatic. I, you know, and you you kind of schooled me on that. We were going to talk about it on the show. So, um, and and I said that um, I thought. Let's see, what did I say? I'm so, so confused because I got so many opinions. I'm like those TV executives. One time I had a TV executive. I swear to God, I turned in a script and I called her. Uh, and I I know she called me when on, I got in on Monday, and she goes, uh, she goes, I read your script over the weekend, and I said, oh well, what do you think? And she goes. I'm not sure. I haven't had my meeting yet. Uh, she hadn't met with the staff, so she didn't know her opinion. Um, yeah. I actually thought that India was lying. That's what I thought. But some people think there's gray. Right? I think I go to this because the way she talked about the when it happened seemed to imply it either happened on the side of the stage, but it happened at the studio. And as we know, you wear a microphone at all times, and that microphone is always on, and no matter what is happening, they are recording that sound. And I don't believe it could have been said anywhere in the building and there not be footage. Okay, so I want to know from out there, uh, all of those, all of those millions of people, millions, millions, just tons of people in our, uh, watching our show, I want to know, who do you think was lying? India or? Yeah, Alexa. Alexis, yeah, I was going to say Alexia, Alexis. Hello. So um, let us know. I want to know. And hello and welcome on this Friday evening. It's how I know what day of the week it is. Um, we are thrilled that you are here, whether you're watching on YouTube, on Facebook, on Periscope, on Twitter. Thank you for being here. Please feel free to share the broadcast with your friends. We had some new people the other day. It was very exciting. 
Uh, yeah. And if you have comments, questions, anything, uh, you can type it. If we find it entertaining, we'll address it. If not, we'll skip it. Uh, how did it's like? Uh, thank you for finding us. How did you find us? I want to know. Did, did was it word of mouth where people said you must you must watch the Dylan Emerson show? I don't. Somebody know. the other day, I don't even remember if we put the comments. Said this is so great. I've never seen it before. Why don't more people know about this? I agree. Yeah, we agree. We we really do agree. Because basically, okay. we just sit and talk. We just sit and talk and jaw and. Uh, Okay, so uh, I agree with Emerson. I said I thought India was lying. You don't agree with me, just Emerson? Um, <laughs> it just agrees with you. I'm a little hurt by that. Um, oh, I feel like you'll get through it. Okay, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, there have been worse things, worse things in my life that have hurt my feelings. Danielle uh, said, why is she here? I know y'all, that's how. Uh, oh, <laughs> Judy is here, info from Theater Alliance in Winston-Salem. All right. Well, we love Theater Alliance, and uh, we uh, recently did our big fundraiser for so many theaters, and we are still, we're, we're not raising any more money at this point, but we're still saying support your theaters because- You want to talk about that thing you keep wanting to bring up? Oh, Prizio. Yes, Prizio. How do you spell that, Emerson? I forget. I don't know. You're in charge of this. P-R-I-Z-E-O dot com slash Sorted Lives. And you can go and you can bid on, uh, it's, it's actually, um, uh, what's it called? A sweepstakes. It's called, it's a sweepstakes and they can buy like chances to Zoom with us, uh, the cast. And the cast is going to, some of the cast is going to get back together. There are a few of them that said, mm, I don't think so. Uh, but most of them. Um, so all it, right. But it, all the money for that goes to all of the theaters. We are still raising money. So yes, you're right. Anyway, All right, well, what we do here is the LGBTQ news and nonsense, the important and the trivial. So I will kick it off uh, with some big announcements this week as the Supreme Court came to a close. Two of their final decisions have broad implications for LGBTQ plus workers. And the first, they ruled that federal anti-discrimination laws do not apply to teachers at church-sponsored schools if instruction in religion is part of their job. Now, the two cases it was related to didn't have anything to do with some of the ones we've talked about where people were fired specifically for being gay. It combined two cases, both with the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. In one, a plaintiff sued for age discrimination because her contract was not renewed. And another was a woman who sued under the Americans with Disabilities Act because she was discharged after seeking a leave, a leave of absence to be treated for breast cancer. That plaintiff has since died. So not LGBTQ specific, but it matters for the cases we've talked about because the court relied on a precedent that gives faith-based schools broad latitude in choosing their employees. Uh, Justice Alito wrote in the 7-2 majority saying, when a school with a religious mission entrusts a teacher with the responsibility of educating and forming students in the faith, Judicial intervention into disputes between the school and the teacher threatens the school's independence in a way that the First Amendment does not allow. Now, they didn't issue a formula for what that, that exception specifically should range and be, but this could have a negative impact on cases being brought uh, about LGBTQ plus people fired for their orientation or gender identity. So we are likely to see a clash now between this decision and specifically LGBTQ plus cases, like the song leader we talked about, 
uh, related to the decision that came out last two weeks ago uh, related to employment for LGBTQ plus people. So I hope that makes sense. These cases weren't about us, but this may come into conflict now with the decision that just happened related to winning for LGBTQ plus people, the employment. So we are likely to see that come in another session to see where that lawn, that line and this exception draws. The second case that really mattered uh, was religious exemption for faith-based employers to deny birth control coverage under the Affordable Care Act's mandate. Uh, the ACA had required employers to provide coverage at no cost. The Obama administration offered alternative means, uh, but the Trump administration has broadened that exception. And Ginsburg wrote in her dissent that this ruling would mean that between 70,000 and 125,000 women would immediately lose access to no cost contraceptive services. So two really big cases, not specifically about us, but that definitely affect people in our community related to the application of religious freedom. Wow. Yeah. Well, and, and, and lots of, lots of important Supreme uh, Court decisions this week. Uh, after that, uh, Eric, yeah. but they pay for Viagra, yes. It's the one that always gets me. No birth control, but fine with Viagra. That's... All right. Yeah. Well, me and uh, okay. Um, this is uh, about Brazil. I talked about this a little bit off the cuff last week because I'm just so um, schooled. On just, the pulse. Just I, on the pulse. Yeah, it was happening as we were just happening. I just had my my finger. Is it your finger on the pulse? Okay. Yes, so usually, um, I mean, you can put on it whatever you want, but usually the finger. My thumb. I, I think it's my thumb. Uh, so Brazil's notoriously homophobic president Jair. Bolsonaro uh, taunted aides for wearing masks earlier in the crisis by saying that masks are for fairies. Uh, the translation has been suggested to others to mean for fags or a faggot thing. Uh, he has now tested positive. Uh, I said that so excited. He has now tested positive for Corona-19, which he once described as a little flu. Uh, in disclosing the diagnosis, he finally acknowledged that the virus could be deadly, um, especially to people in his age group. He's 65. And he finally started wearing a mask. Uh, he's getting appropriately roasted for the comment. And law professor and columnist Thiago Amparo tweeted, uh, my my degree in Spanish is coming in handy today. President, uh, uh -huh. one day a fairy like me and many others will sit in the presidential chair and be an infinitely better president than you were. Journalist and podcaster, another Thiago. I love that there are two Thiagos. Thiago Theodoro uh, tweeted, do you know what's for fairies, president? Being proud of who we are, having the courage to carry on loving, building families, surviving with dignity and happiness in our hearts in spite of people like you. So I think what this story proves that we are not the only country with an asshole for a president. Well, it's like, you know, with, with Trump sort of followed on the heels of right-wing movements happening around the world. I mean, Bolsonaro came in, uh, you have Erdogan in Turkey, who's gotten more and more conservative. You know, we are reaching an international place where there's the reasonable people engaged in the GA, G7. And, you know, you have Macron and Trudeau and Merkel trying to, like, keep the world from falling apart. And you've got the Erdogans and uh, North Korea and Bolsonaro. Like, 
leaning hard into their right-wing constituents. And it matters because those people, the people that follow them, use what they say as an excuse. You know, we see it here. Well, Trump said, well, Trump said, you know, those of us who are not fans obviously don't take anything that is said seriously, but your political leaders do really matter because there are people who think if they say it's safe, it's safe. So it's funny. And like, ha ha, you called somebody a fairy and now you got to wear one. But it's also like, it's dangerous to the, to the people. Yeah, another one you have Prime Minister of England right now, Boris Johnson. I mean, he's he, pretty conservative and was walking. No, the, the virus can't get me walking into hospitals without a mask. And he was in the hospital with coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, he, it was touch and go for him for a while. So I don't know. And, you know, I'm not saying anything, but um, yes, I am. Uh, Trump is in Florida today without a mask. And there is a, it is a hotbed of Corona. I mean, Emerson was just telling me right now, right before we went on the air, we, we had our biggest day here in California. It seems like Texas has had their biggest days. Florida had their biggest days. It ain't going away, y'all. And I, I, I went um, just a little nuts today because my friend, I always talk about McGee because she's always texting me. And these crazy people in Mississippi who are just so anti-mask and oh, if, if people are so, if they want me to protect them, that's not my obligation. And and they can just wear an N95, someone said. So McGee's just like quoting scriptures back to them about being kind and unselfish. And it's amazing to me that all of these people have mothers, all of them, many of them have grandmothers and they don't give a shit. They honestly don't give a shit because it's it's our old people like me who are vulnerable. You know, I mean, well, it's true. Emerson, CNN. Well, but I'm also, I mean, my family does not do well with respiratory things. You know, it's, it's so many of us. And it shouldn't have to be about yourself. But it's, and we've said it before and we'll say it again. It's, there's so many people who are not from marginalized communities who have just never had to do what anybody told them. They've never had fear in the wider culture. I mean, this idea that the gov government, you know, with a B, is telling me I got to wear a mask is just the greatest infringement on my rights when there's so many other communities that are still have been and are still are, as we continue to talk about fighting for basic rights. I think it's why it's so absurd to so many of us. You it know? is. And, and I don't like wearing the mask either, but I do value my my health. I do. And I, I mean, the mask makes me anxious. I don't I think that's what it is. Maybe it's just the fear of you know getting sick i don't know what it is but when i go out i told you i just went out and handed something to you out the window i hadn't seen you in a while and and you know went to my post office box but i came home and i really had to calm down does anybody else have that that issue where you go out and you come back and you're just like you i don't know it's uh, we're living in a very very precarious time that's scary yep all right well down in oklahoma Christian Council is an Oklahoma City realtor. He's gone public with his account of a brutal homophobic attack that left him hospitalized. Early Saturday morning, he and a friend returned to his apartment complex. He honked his horn at a car blocking his parking space. After the car moved and he parked, two people approached him. He said, when they saw us and saw what we looked like, they said, oh, you two are a couple of, and they used a gay slur. It was clear that when they could tell my friend and I were gay or that we appeared to be gay, they knew they could do what they did to me. The two proceeded to beat counsel until he was knocked out. He suffered severe bruising and a concussion from the assault. 
He also says they yelled anti-gay slurs at him during the whole of the attack. Police omitted that detail from their report and have thus far declined to treat the attack as a hate crime. The pair have been arrested for misdemeanor assault and battery, but re been released with the, uh, without booking. A friend of counsel set up a GoFundMe page to help cover his medical expenses and to launch a civil case against his two attackers. So if you search Christian counsel on GoFundMe, you'll find it. But I wanted to include that because there's a hugely important piece of that beyond the incredible trauma of being assaulted, which I don't want to diminish in any way. But that point that he said that they called him homophobic things throughout the attack and the police did not include that in the report and did not want to charge it as a hate crime demonstrates the additional challenges that people in our community can face in engaging with the police that ties back to our issues we are talking about with the police departments for Black Lives Matter and Black people. It's the same for queer people. It's why trans people don't trust the police because that's bonkers. They didn't even put it in the report. And, and, and the fact that they were arrested, that they could beat him up. And I saw the pictures. I went on his Facebook. Uh, I sent him a little message. I sent him a little uh, money on GoFundMe. And he, he we, we had some mutual friends because I have a lot of friends in Oklahoma City. And I, I was wondering, I, I sent him a message. I'm sure he didn't get it. But I sent him a message. I said, we're going to talk about you on the show today. And uh, I, I, I wanted to include the names of the people. Um, Amory Dickerson, Dickerson, Dick, or son, and Bennett Stone were the two that were arrested. So it, I just thought it was important to say their names because they're assholes. Um, and um, but, but, but isn't that crazy, Emerson, that it's just like, oh, assault. They weren't even kept. They weren't even... They weren't even kept overnight or anything. They were just like, it's a ticket. Yeah. And then they weren't really, that they were released without the booking. And the thing is, it's not the police job to decide whether the he said, he said of the, you know, whether they did or didn't, you know, call him those things. They should write the report as both sides tell it because then it's up to the district attorney when they charge people to decide how they want to charge, what evidence gets presented, et cetera. Um, because the hate crime, I don't know the ins and outs of Oklahoma, so I don't want to speak to that, but usually hate crime uh, enhances the charge. Uh, and so it m makes it a more serious crime. Right. I mean, do they beat them up just because they hawk at them? Probably not. So, um, and, and but the good news is, he, I think they were, uh, their, their goal was 15 grand. And when I was there, uh, they had already reached 17 grand, but he was now planning to file a, a civil lawsuit against these two assholes. So, um, all right. Oh, it's, it's, it's me. It's me. I, I was talking so much. Uh, I love this story too. I thought you got this good one. Uh, last, last summer, a wooden statue of Melania Trump was erected in her hometown of Semnica, in Slovenia, an American artist, uh, Brad Downey, commissioned the piece to honor her. Uh, the piece showed her in the blue suit from Inauguration Day. The artist is uh, Alice uh, Maxi uh, Zupingla, whatever, an amateur chainsaw sculptor. I can't say it, Emerson, say it. Do, do, do I try Zupingla? Uh, an amateur chainsaw uh, sculptor. Uh, well, last weekend, the statue was set on fire by an unknown arsonist. Um, the blackened remains were hauled away, and all that remains is a charred stump. 
I love the way he wrote this. Downey says he wants to find the person who burned the statue so he can learn what their motivations were, uh, adding that the he initially hoped it would open a dialogue about the fraught political situation in US. Well, it, it did, it opened a dialogue. This is, this is how I wanna open the dialogue with a match and some gas. Now, I wanna reiterate for the people, cause I feel like the important piece of this story is amateur chainsaw sculptor. First of all, that implies two things, right? There are professional ones and chainsaw sculpting is a thing. And for those of you who didn't see it. Oh, you have it? Is oh, the sculpture. Oh, I think she- y'all, that sculpture on the left that was done by an amateur chainsaw sculptor. I mean, you can barely tell the difference when it's burned. I think she burned it. <laughs> she had it burned. Well, she had it burned. She wouldn't have burned it herself. But she had someone burn it. She says, oh, no, 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 no. Be bad. Be bad. She finally saw it and said, absolutely not. I mean, that is a disgrace. And that dress, it makes her look very hippie. <laughs> it is an odd shape for, you know, a, a woman who, who does seem to take care of her you know, maybe that's what she does at the White House workout. Who knows? For sure. But I'm just obsessed. I want to know, are there chainsaw sculpting competitions? Like, is there, you know, what are, what are the levels? Is it like karate and you like get different colored belts up the amateur, uh, up the chainsaw sculptor uh, ladder? Lena, do you have to pass a test? I want to apologize right now because I was laughing through that story and it's very, very serious that someone set fire to the first lady's chainsaw sculpture. I just, I don't want, I just don't want letters. Oh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I feel like that's unlikely. Yeah, it's disrespect, disrespecting her. Um, All right, moving on. The, over the weekend, actress Halle Berry did an Instagram Live, and in discussion about her hair, she revealed that she was considering playing a trans man in an upcoming project. She said in part, it's a character where the woman is a trans character, so she's a woman that transitioned into a man. She's a character in a project I love that I might be doing. Who this woman was is so interesting to me, and that will probably be my next project. And there was a swift backlash both to her playing the role and to misgendering the man and focus on the woman aspect of the rule. Well, because, and I saw it quickly and thought, you know, I've been on my own journey. We've talked about it with understanding trans people and educating myself, but that she was focused on it being the story of a woman who went on this journey means there's a baseline misunderstanding of what being trans is, you know, that this trans man was always a man who was assigned female at birth, who went on a journey to being able to outwardly live and match his identity. But it did sort of demonstrate a rather elementary lack of understanding, which was a big part of the early call out. She heard the outcry, listened and very quickly apologized saying, over the weekend, I had the opportunity to discuss my consideration of an upcoming role as a transgender man. And I'd like to apologize for those remarks. As a cisgender woman, I now understand that I should not have considered this role and that the transgender community should undeniably have the opportunity to tell their own stories. I'm grateful for the guidance and critical conversation over the past few days and will continue to listen, educate, and learn from this mistake. I vow to be an ally and using my voice to promote better representation on screen, both in front of and behind the camera. 
She was quick. She was called out early on, but her apology was very widely met with uh, generally positive responses for her vow to listen and amplify trans voices. So it was a very sort of quick blow up, quick response, and sort of quick thank you for understanding and and moving on from this. Well, I I I think we should allow people to if they make mistakes to to quickly say I've learned from this, and I, I thought her response was amazing. Yeah, I thought it was a great example of like some people giving someone the opportunity to hear, you know, there are issues I'm certainly not educated on. There's so many things to know about. I mean, there, and so it was clear that her understanding was not there and also that she really did hear people's responses. And I thought that was great. People also got in a little bit to that messy, like what, you know, who plays who and what, who plays what kind of character. Um, I've talked about it before, but I think it's worth repeating that I think trans actors playing trans roles is fundamentally different than any other issue when we talk about it. Because a trans actress said years ago, that really spoke to me, trans people are vulnerable in our wider culture for people not perceiving them as the gender they are. So when a cis person plays a trans role, when a cisgender man plays a trans woman in order to do the whole journey or transformation, it allows the audience to perceive the trans woman in the second part of the story, if they're, the story is about the transition, as not really a woman still. You know, and that continues to contribute to that attitude and misperception in our culture. And so it's actually dangerous to trans people. That really shifted my mental understanding right. of it. And I think really speaks to why trans actors playing trans roles is very different than even when we talk about gay and straight or other kinds of representation issues. Yeah, I think that, um, I think there's a lot again some progress made there because if you think about early on, um, I, I the only one that comes to mind where a, a, a trans person played trans was in the Crying Game with that brilliant performance that got an Academy Award nomination. Jay, somebody I can't remember the name. Someone tell me. I don't have Google access right now but but you know when you think about felicity huffman there was a there was somebody and then um what's his name um from um i'm sounded like that character we were writing what's his name from that movie that was about uh um, mm -hmm. you know um shit i'm just uh i, I, I need either the actor or the okay, movie okay. calpurnia what what's jared that? leto and Dallas Buyers club there we go thank you Thank you. Yeah. I got you there. But I do think because people get caught up in the and you know, well, does that mean this person can't play this or this can't this? I do think the trans issue is specifically different because of what it says to the audience, not about the performance. Because I don't think it's anything about being able to tell the story better. I do think acting is acting, and they're good and bad in every kind of role. But um, the but this is a specifically different issue uh, for the danger. Um, oh, and this relates to, do we want to talk about this now? Because somebody mentioned yeah. it. Dis Disclosure is a brand new documentary out on Netflix, specifically about the journey of trans characters in entertainment and trans actors. And it features a lot of trans actors and activists talking about where they did and didn't see themselves and where we are now, and where we're going. Um, would it, you guys, we haven't done one in a while. Would you like to do a Disclosure watch party. Watch Disclosure on Netflix this weekend, and we'll do a group discussion on Tuesday uh, about it. We'll just put it in our queue list um, and have a fun conversation because I've been wanting to watch it as well. The answer to your question was Jay Davidson. Thank you all. I saw so many people uh, 
put that up. So that was a brilliant performance. If you haven't seen the crying game, I can't believe that I, you know, I couldn't get, I couldn't get Jared Leto, but I could get at least Jay from the crying game. That's what happens. That's what happens. I don't know if it's age or the pot. Um, all right. So in the Laporte, Indiana city council was hearing a request from a city resident for increased funding and resources devoted to LGBTQ visibility. When asked if there were questions, Roger Galloway, a city councilman said, LGB, like you're talking uh, gay people, stuff like that, right? Do you know that's against the Bible? Ever, anybody here read the Bible? That's my comment. Later in the meeting, when the subject of Black Lives Matter came up, Galloway had more to say. I was in Vietnam. I don't care if they were purple. We fought for each other. We took care of each other. You have Black Lives Matter. How, how about the Hispanics and the Asians and the white people? We're all here. I don't understand. Of course, I'm 70 years old, but uh, let's wake up and take care of everybody in our community, our whole country. I don't understand Black Lives Matter, I probably never will, but it's uh, for all of us, okay? That's my comment. Well, his comments were widely criticized and he backpedaled saying, Laporte is a welcoming com community and my remarks did not reflect that. My personal opinions and beliefs should never get in the way of my ability to represent our community as a whole. The LGBTQ representatives from the meeting have agreed to meet with me in the coming days, I'm grateful for their willingness to have a conversation so I can learn more and develop a better understanding. I mean, at age 70, I, I, was, I was impressed. I didn't see that coming, Emerson. I didn't see that ending coming. It wasn't interesting, like, did somebody write that for you? Because in the videos, he just seems tired. You know, he's like, LGB, you mean gay people? That's the <laughs> comment. I feel like also every time he speaks at any city council meeting, it ends with, that's my comment. Like that's the period on his speech every time. But he said something in there, you know, as we talk about educating ourselves and doing better, that whole, I don't see black, brown, white, purple, green, that, you know, that white people, some white people like to say, that's sort of in that microaggression category of a little, a little insulting. It's sort of diminishing the experience of black people and people of color to be like, you could be green or blue or whatever, because it's like that 90s, I don't see color thing. Well, that's dumb. We all see color. Well, you know? well we don't see purple people. We There's don't. literally not one. So, I mean, that's that's like saying black people are, you know, black people and imaginary people and Star Trek characters. I see, you know, that's it's a, it's a dismissive thing. It's certainly the way it seems that many people of color uh, perceive it. So probably one of those things we could pull out of our vocabulary when trying to, because usually you're saying it in response response to an accusation of that was a racist statement or you're being a little racist um, to like remove that from our defensive mechanisms because it makes it sound like you're in kindergarten. And when people say things like, I don't understand Black Lives Matter, I will probably never understand it. It's because you don't want to. You don't want to listen to, to anybody who actually has a very short but very, very important message with the black you know it, it, it's just amazing to me go, no i don't i'm not i don't, don't want to hear that i don't want to hear that yeah. well also if you don't understand research ask somebody yeah. you know the google is right there and also we don't have black uh purple or green people but as jason pointed out we do have an orange one yes jason <laughs> um all right uh, it's our halfway point and as always 
We do this show because we love sharing the news with you all. We love chatting about the serious and the absurd. Uh, but if you are watching and you want to support our endeavor, so I spent all day yesterday trying to find a balance of stories to entertain you all with. Uh, if you want to donate a little tip to our uh, kitty, you certainly can. You can send us a tip on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. I will share it with Dell and we will be grateful. Um, and if you can't contribute, we understand. I'm begging because I don't have money and I know lots of other people don't either. When that $600 government support ends at the end of July, it's going to get hairy. So it is no obligation. We're just happy that you're here. Surely they're going to extend that with what's going on. Maybe that's why they don't want to open. I mean, maybe no, that's it does hard. not seem like they are going. It is that the they what they are saying is they are not. There's um, going to be a lot of GoFundMe's, Emerson. <laughs> a big thank you to Matt Burton who just did contribute on Ben. Oh, we are you, grateful. Um, and speaking of uh, fun little diversity stories, I've been working hard to focus on parts of the community we don't get to. Uh, there aren't as big a stories about. Um, earlier this year, Ruby Rose, the openly lesbian, uh, you would know her from Orange is the New Black, of course. She launched the CW Batman series as comic book favorite character Kate Kane as Batman. She left the show, lead of the show, title character. Um, but the show has found its new lead in Javicia Leslie, who is black and bisexual. She said, I'm extremely proud to be the first black actress to play the iconic role of Batwoman on television. And as a bisexual woman, I'm honored to join this groundbreaking show, which has been such a trailblazer for the LGBTQ plus community. She'll play a new character named Ryan Wilder as she steps into the iconic Batwoman suit. And I've got a photo of Miss Javicia Leslie here. Um, a gorgeous lady. Stepping in. And I love, you know, we talked about, I don't think... Um, that we need to limit all characters, but I love shows that are LGBTQ, uh, that have LGBTQ actors in the roles, not because it takes that to play the role because lots of people could play it, but I love providing the opportunity and the platform for members of our community. So very exciting to see her put on that suit. Yeah, um, I, I'm interested because I didn't, I don't, you know, I'm not a big, um, I don't, those those kind of shows don't interest me that much, but I was really a big fan of Ruby Rose on Orange Is the New Black. Uh, did, was there disagreements? Do you know? I don't know. You don't know? Google, don't know. Google. That's a Google. I need. Uh, to see, what I did was I put all the stuff I had in the story. Okay, I see. Okay. Well, I had more questions. Does anybody know? Let me know. Just uh, let, Del Shores at me .com. I'm okay with you writing me at my email. Um, all right. There's a petition that is uh, calling for the renaming. He was being shitty because I didn't like that he gave out my email address on the show. For those Which of you is, who uh, No. <laughs> it's like, um, Emerson, you're too young, but some of, I think some of the audience will remember. We used to, with AOL, you used to have, you used to have the ability to have five email addresses with it. And there was always the one that you used for those, uh, AOL um, M for M chat rooms that got a little bit dirty, you know. Then did you have that awkward thing where you accidentally sent a work email from your like, you know, ecstasy bottom email accidentally? Yeah, like, big top for you uh, to your boss. <laughs> right. Like, uh, uh oh, uh oh, how uh -oh. do you get it back? But you know what? The great thing about AOL is you used to be able to, if you could catch it, you could delete an email. 
And, and it would just show that it was a deleted email. So they knew you sent something that you shouldn't have. I did that a few times. What yeah. was that? Uh, that's that's an AOL history. That's all free. Okay, back to the, the story. A new petition is calling for the renaming of Chicago's Boys Town uh, neighborhood to adopt a more inclusive name. Uh, the, the North Alstead Business Alliance marketing of the neighborhood as Boys Town includes for the boys signage this summer. Uh, and Devlin Camp, an activist and creator of the petition, said the Boys Town nickname began in the 90s as a joke and is now a marketing tool by the North Halstead Business Alliance and perpetuates the existing social issues that deter many LGBTQ people from the neighborhood. Many of our transgender siblings must visit the center on Halstead to utilize necessary resources. Many of them have experienced transphobia in the North Halstead area. Our LGBTQ siblings of color look for inclusive bars, have been met with, met with racism, and many women frequenting and working in the North Halstead businesses have been met with sexism. So the petition noted that among LGBTQ plus neighborhoods in the U.S., like the Castro, Greenwich, Greenwich Village, and uh, West Hollywood, Chicago has the only gendered nickname. You know, I put this in because as a young gay running out to the gayberhood, I would not have thought of this because we as white cisgender gay men are in a strange position straddling whiter culture and queer culture because so many of our experiences were negative or bigoted or bullied or persecuted for our sexuality and whiter culture. So the queer community was our safe space. But then what happens is often without realizing, sometimes intentionally, we turn around and then do that in queer spaces. You know, mm -hmm. I would not have thought a decade ago, Boys Town, I mean, I've said it, but I noticed it was really, it is different. When you put up marketing that says Boys Town, I would not have thought to a black trans woman that says- That you're excluded. Well, and then, or I'm secondary in this right. space. And that's not something I would have thought about years and years ago. And so I think when we look particularly as white gay men about how we behave in our community that we don't do in the community, what is done to us in the wider culture, you know, that we, as the predominant, it's the issues that people have had with prides with a lot of the big advocacy communities that white gay men are so overrepresented that, that this, you know, I would have skipped past this story a decade ago and been like, whatever, it's just a name. But like, what does that name say to a lesbian, to a trans woman, mm -hmm. to a black person, you know, that that they are not the focal point of the community, that we are not just a piece of it, that we are the primary focus is something we have to work at in the community to ensure that we are all equally welcome in spaces that are meant to be for all of us. So I was like, yeah, they'd like, Call it Boys Town with your friends, like in a kiki, whatever, but like make the name inclusive of everybody. But he said it was the only one with the gendered nickname, but that I don't think that's necessarily true. We've called WeHo West Hollywood Boys Town before. I mean, it's been a nickname, it, just maybe not in advertising, like he's, he's talking about. Um, um, I, wait, I want to put this up because this relates to this as well. Brandon said, don't refer to us as queer. Did you like hearing that term word growing up? Talks a lot about this over the years. Um, and Brandon, what I would say to that is there is a lot and certainly a lot of older people in our community who don't want that name for themselves. And so I would, I do not ever address a person. I would never address you 
as a person by that name. It has been since ACT UP in the 80s that that name has been reclaimed by organizations and many in the community. So it is easier at times than spelling out LGBTQIA. So I do personally use it as an, an umbrella term uh, to speak about the community I am a part of. Um, I understand that that is a word, that that word is difficult for many people and I would not address you personally that way, but it is a word I use about the community since we talk about LGBTQIA names a lot in our world. So I respect that. And, but I what think, you and I do too. And I, I, I was, I was there uh, with, with him on, uh, you know, I, I, I was, I used to just cringe at that word queer um, and I've sort of reclaimed it. I'm, I, I sometimes, I, I just recently started using it. Um, the, the, the queer community or the, because, um, you know, when I wrote Southern Baptist Sissies and you had the monologue about Sissy, uh, you, it, that was a name that we grew up with that we didn't like, we hated it. But then, you know, RuPaul, uh, sort of reclaimed it with Sissy That Walk. And there's been a lot of that, uh, in, in where we say, okay, I'm going to reclaim that. And you can't, um, you can't make me feel bad anymore because it's, it's, a you know, it's not a negative thing anymore to, for me to be gay, that is not, so you could say that's so gay that, okay, that don't, don't, don't think that's going to insult me. It's not, but we had a whole discussion about this and then I'll, I'm sorry. I just keep, um, uh, no. here, but we had a whole discussion about girl. Cause I used to take offense when go, when guys would say, Hey girl, and you sort of, uh, you, you were the one who taught me that it, that was okay. And, uh, I, well, I, I, it gets to, you know, it's difficult. We, right, let's be honest. It's difficult as a community to ensure we want to include everyone and the acronym is, is long. I do default now personally to speaking about my place in the queer community. Like many other words, it's not a word I would never say someone that I didn't know how they identified or I would never say it about someone else or to someone else. Um, but I understand that's still a very hard slur for many people. It's also, there's a young generation, many of them identify at, with that word as their actual identity. So I hope, Brandon, uh, that you feel like I, I hear that, and I hope you hear that we're trying to use it here as a respectful um, simplifier, uh, not as directed at somebody, but I respect that there are certain people. I, could, I, say, I say faggot. I, that's the one that for me growing up was the one I heard. I find talking about my faggotry hilarious. I know the word bothers lots of people. I don't ever use it at somebody else. I would never say, hey girl, at somebody I wasn't intimately familiar with. Um, so I think there is always a delicate balance between what we feel ownership of, what's bothersome to someone else. So I hope that explains our working on it. And I respect your um, issue with the word. That's very fair and very valid. I know it's the word many people heard bullying. So. It's a journey. Well, and also it goes to the uh, back to you know, in, in Emerson, it's so funny. I think I was thinking about this um, this part of a very sordid wedding, and I think you're the one who, when we did a re when I did a rewrite on it, you said you need to you need to address that it's the intent of the word because I was trying to be really delicate with Sissy's journey with learning the right words, and Ashanti's character Kyle said it's the intent of the word. And there was certainly nothing here that we would ever intend to hurt anybody. So um, that's. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, a people are not all going to agree on all things. So I hope if you are here, you understand that's our intent. That's obviously 
the focus of the show. Um, and so that's that's sort of where we are. But that's the explanation um, and why you will hear me say it sometimes because there is a younger audience for whom it is the uh, umbrella that they feel most comfortable on. I know it's a generational discussion and issue and we will continue to have those conversations in the community. And thanks for bringing it up because I love this conversation. I think it's an important conversation. And one last thing, Emerson, didn't we do the uh, didn't we do a screening at the center on Halstead? Isn't that yeah, we did we a did. very sort of wedding at that center. Yeah, I love that they're, they're, they're the focus of that story because they were wonderful to us. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right, rolling on in uh, HIV news. HIV Plus Mag shared a story that the US FDA has approved a new drug that combats drug resistance among heavily treatment experienced people living with HIV. It's called Fostum Severe, probably, and marketed under the name Rucobia. It's to be used in combination with other antiretroviral medications and will be specifically addressed those whose regimens are not succeeding or no longer succeeding because of resistance, intolerance, or safety considerations. Not available to the public yet, uh, but this approval was a huge step towards that. Um, heavily in treatment people, it's about 5% of people living with HIV are, have reached a point where either the series of drugs they've been on or there are certain drugs within multiple classes they no longer respond to. So this is a new drug specifically for those people uh, to ensure that there's medications to address the full range of people living with HIV. Rick, it's Rucobia, R-U-K-O-B-I-A. So, and they're really excited about that possibility. It gives people that aren't responding to the other cocktails um, a new possibility and a new opportunity uh, when that comes on the market. And um, uh, sort of a fun, silly story, but a study released by a British researchers this week found that coronavirus may cause brain damage in certain patients ranging from temporary uh, brain dysfunction, delirium stroke, and uh, brain inflammation. You're wondering when this story gets fun. Uh, even ones who uh, don't exhibit any other symptoms of the disease. A 41-year-old London man who spent 20 days in the hospital may be proof. Uh, the man woke up in the middle of the night feeling like his brain was racing and he was going to die. He said, as the ambulance came, I confessed to my wife that I had had sex with men, most of which before the marriage, most. Uh, Although I am a heterosexual, I felt that I was incapable of lying or hiding the truth and thought I was dying. <clears throat> After being checked into the hospital, he tried. Now, this is where I just thought, what? He tried to baptize other patients, uh, inappropriately touched members of the staff and made most bizarre confessions. The report notes he also confessed to numerous hitherto, it's very British, hitherto undisclosed homosexual encounters and other sexual behaviors described as uncharacteristic by his wife. That's because uncharacteristic means she was getting nothing. Uh, he uh, obsessively wrote down every personal interaction and bodily sensation. He said he found this experience liberating. Eventually, the man was transferred from the regular hospital to the loony bin. No, I'm kidding. Uh, to a, yeah, yes, to a psychiatric hospital where he was treated with antipsychotic medication. Uh, doctors concluded that his coronavirus infection, which had otherwise been fairly mild, may have caused and may have triggered a dormant case of bipolar disorder. 
Uh, he seems to have made a full recovery and is back at home with his family, leading a secret life on the side. Uh, no, that, I added that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just obsessed that like, no other symptoms and just suddenly just the gay confessions came pouring out, most of which were before their marriage. Yes. Most. Most and and but 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 the baptizing he was trying to baptize the other patients as he touched them inappropriately. I mean, like, but I need to know like if they got home if she's like is he fine? Okay, great. Most of them were before our marriage. Yes, and and then but there were other crisis. You got to wait. There were other sexual activities that were that she was like outside of his wheelhouse. It was not exactly what he normally does. I, I wonder yeah. what those were. Did they involve like farm animals? I mean, what what, what else? I, wow, I love that you're like, I wonder what they were, bestiality. Well, who, it said other, they did not want to put that in the story. I'm just saying if there are other things, I think of like 40, 50, 100 options before I get to fucking on a farm animal. Hey, I grew up on a farm in Texas. That's how early- Did you think about fucking on something? Oh, I did not. No, I did not. But Wait, is this, are you going to get Corona and then confess to like fucking a goat? No, that will not, that, that, that is something I have never had the desire to do. I have never. I mean, I read Albie's The Goat and I was like, whoa. That's some shit, but uh, uh, yes, I saw was, it on Broadway with Mercedes Rule and Bill Pullman. Oh my God! What a, that, were they in the originals? That's a, that's I love. Uh, that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. So anyway, um, well, anyway, so I mean, the serious part of that is Corona can affect your brain. So like, wear your so, fucking mask. That's what I was going to say. The same thing. That's the point of this story. Wear your mask. Or just anything that you hadn't told people, it's going to be confessed. Um, in a quick story, Shep Smith, who came out in 2017, abruptly left Fox after 23 years last year in the middle of his contract uh, with some definite shade at President Trump and the network. And he has a brand new one hour show on CNBC, the news with Shep Smith, Shepard Smith. And he said, also shady, he was thrilled to find a network that gave him an opportunity to present a fact-based hour-long evening news Ooh. program with the mission to cut through the static to deliver facts in context and with perspective. And I will say, I don't always like clips of Shep Smith uh, because even when like, when they were misogynistic smears at like Hillary or AOC, he would clap back at the nighttime people. And I appreciate that. So like, his show will probably be a moderate-oriented, uh, fact-based show. So something to look forward to. Absolutely. I'm glad he landed. I really am. Um, so th this week, the DA said it planned to prosecute Amy Cooper for her encounter with Christian Cooper in Central Park for falsely uh, reporting an incident in the third degree punishable by one year in jail, three years probation, or a $1,000 fine. Now, j just a sidebar. In Oklahoma, though, you can beat somebody up and get a ticket. All right. Christian Cooper, her victim, has said he will not cooperate with the prosecution because he thinks her life has been sufficiently upended and he's not interested in dragging things out any longer. He said, on the one hand, she's already paid a steep price. That's uh, not enough of a deterrent to others. Bringing her more misery just seems like piling on. She lost her job. Amy Cooper lost her job. She has been tabloid fodder for an old affair. And Mr. Cooper did add 
that he sees the bigger picture and understands why the DA might not might want to make an example of her, but he just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. I really like him. It's interesting because I was watching a lot of the response and there were a lot of black people who said, that's great that he doesn't want to, but we need to prosecute her. People need to know that there's a real uh, possible damage to you for right. this kind of reporting against black people. And I think it's two things. It's a little bit what we talked about the other day with like the guy, the Fire Island guy in 4th of July. You know, we know Amy Cooper's name. We know that woman in Tennessee's name. And it, we sort of all clobber this one person. And what is a little dangerous about that to me is, oh, yay, we got that Karen from that video and that Karen from that video. But there's been, what, 10, 12, 20 Karen videos. But these, these incidents happen thousands of times a day all over the country. And it's like we can get focused on like a single tree and forget the forest and actually prosecuting people takes it back to like the forest level. It's like, oh, yay, that Karen lost her job. Well, great, but there were dozens of those incidents that happened today in Los Angeles to black people, to people of color, you know, wherever we are. And because we don't see them, we don't know about them and we can't all in mass destroy that person's life, feel good about ourselves and make our dinner. You know, does that make sense? Like, yeah, when we obsess on one um, and the second piece of this story that I added. So in San Francisco, where the skincare CEO, you know, the Karen with the sort of melted face called the police on that gay Filipino man, James Juanillo, who was stenciling Black Lives Matter with chalk on his property. And she said, um, we know the owners. And she obviously didn't because it was his house. Right. Well, in San Francisco, they've introduced what they are calling the Karen Act. Now it's spelled with a C, but it's to be cutesy. It stands for Caution Against Racially Exploitive Non-Emergencies that would make racially or discriminatory motivated 911 calls a crime to reflect this broader movement to address the continued use of misusing emergency services with racist motivations. And to me, that's a really good focus. Make it as something that is a genuine deterrent um, to everyone, you know. Right, yes. So I think it's a great way to respond. And, and, uh, and in more Karen news, uh, remember the woman that I uh, I talked about last week, the racist homophobe in Tennessee, who seemed happy on camera just shouting, white lives are better, and you're a gay homosexual piece of crap who's going to burn in hell, and declared there was no way she was going to lose her job. Well, guess what? She did. Uh, she did an interview with a local station apologizing for her actions, saying, I would like to apologize to the little girl. I did not know that she was a minor. If I had known she was a minor, I would have never spoken to her. That comment about me saying silly little black girl, I would have said that if it was a white girl, I would have said silly little white girl. So I do apologize for saying that. I did not mean to demean anybody. <laughs> of course, I apologize to her family. I did not know she was a minor. I'm very, very sorry for that. In the same interview, Holt confirmed that her employer, Keith Family Vision Clinic in Johnson City, had terminated her over the videos. She admitted, I no longer have a job. I don't have any animosity towards the uh, business, uh, the doctors I work for. They're great people. Of course, I didn't want their business to suffer because of the mistakes I made. She went on to say, as far as the gentleman that I said 
some bad remarks about his sexuality prior to that. You're not seeing this on the video now. I was just standing there along with everybody else, and he called me Ku Klux Karen because of my haircut. I and he said that <laughs> and he said that I was a member of the KKK. And he repeated this several times. And then when I lashed out at him and called him what I did, which I shouldn't have said because his sexuality is none of my business, I was just angry. I just lashed out. The protester in question denies calling Hulk Ku Klux Karen, but I hope he did. I just love it so much. I mean, it is a good one. Um, a couple of things, though. She said, I would have said, you little white girl to that white girl. No, you wouldn't. No. And this speaks to like, when we talk about like not, I mean, she was a big racist, but we talk about little racism, little microaggressions. You know, when you tell a story, oh, this black woman at the store today, it is not as common for white people to tell a story and say, this white lady at the Safeway, you know, it's othering people. Like that's the kind of statements that feel like, oh, we're not doing it, I'm just being descriptive. No, it's like if there's 10 people in a room and there's only one black person, you can say the black guy. But if there's five black people and five white people, you would have to choose something else. Like you wouldn't say, well, you're just a silly little white girl as a white person to a white person. And that other, you know, is one of those things that talks about not including people of color in our communities. And also I love that she said, I shouldn't have said that, but she didn't say she was sorry. No, she did not. And I, I, I uh, was telling uh, my daughter Caroline last night this story, not knowing that you were putting it into, you know, the follow-up. And so today I sent her, I just copied and pasted what you sent me. I said, here's the follow-up. And Caroline writes back, I don't really think that was a sincere apology. And also, you know, we talk about like apologies are big in our culture and whatever. Like when you're that brazenly, aggressively, thrillingly racist, that's when like this is not a real apology. It's not yeah. the same as like I made a shitty joke that didn't play well and like I need to apologize for what that did. You were glorying in your racism and, on camera. And, and she said she didn't know that she was a minor, yet she said little black girl. So Well, but that's also that like patronizing thing of like calling black men boy, calling black women girl that harkens literally to slavery when when grown black men their whole lives were still called that. Like, that's where that racism comes from. Um, so. Well, anyway, a fun little Karen comeuppance to wrap it up. Um, and before we tune out, one final reminder, the if you enjoy the show and you wanna send us a tip on Venmo, at Emerson Collins on PayPal, to Beard Collins Shores Production, this is the most we've had in, a, in the show before. Thank you to Erica. Michael yes, Shane, man. Patrick Nunn, Allison Busby. Whoa. We really do, be, do appreciate and like being real honest in our era of Corona, it's really meaningful. This really helps us support our lives and it means a lot that for the work we do to entertain you all. So thank you. Yes, we, we, we thank you very much. And thank you for letting us rant and, and talk and, and yes, Emerson. Um, and do, let's do watch Disclosure this weekend. Everybody watch it so we can have a group discussion about it on Tuesday. If you don't have Netflix, I'm sorry. You can watch, you know, and, and just jaw along in the conversation as we go.
y'all email me. I'll get you my password. No, I really won't. I won't. I won't. I won't do that. <laughs> but, you're so okay, good. I love your codependency. I'll come over. I'll type it in for you. Oh, you are I'll a good friend. I'll watch it with you with a mask on. Y'all have a beautiful weekend. We will see you yeah. on Tuesday and stay safe out there. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for tuning in and bye.